welcome to the War Room, the show where we actively know what we're talking about. We probably don't, maybe we do, but who cares? And uh, today, we actually are going to try to do some video. I got Landon Miller. He's back on the show finally. Uh, last time we had on the show was before the Rona hit, um, so we are happy to have him back now. And of course, as always, we got Bert Johnson on here. And uh, today we're going to go into, I mean, obviously we got no actual sports happening right now. Um, but we're not about to spend, yeah, we're not about to spend an hour talking about Corona because if you want to hear more about Corona, you can just turn on any channel on the news. Any channel whatsoever. I mean, gosh dang it. I, 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 just, I just hit the guide button on my TV this morning. And like, I kid you not, there was a, a show with the title Coronavirus Pandemic Special. Like, you've heard of, I've heard of Christmas specials, but like, why do you have to, like, I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to get into it. But, um, yeah, so we're, we're just going to talk about as much sports as we can. So we're going to start off with the NFL free agency. That's a big one. A lot of big names moved around in there. A lot of, a lot of eye-opening uh, stuff has happened. A lot of big moves. Uh, we'll close with a little bit of NBA, basically everything past the trade deadline, because we did record an episode where we talked about the, the, the trade deadline, but literally it was the day before the coronavirus hit. So half of what we were talking about was like the next couple games coming up, the next matchups, and none of those happened because they got canceled. So there was no point in posting that episode. Thank you, Rona. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, NBA up, up until that point, and then if it resumes with, within a timely manner, uh, like say like you know June, July, something like that, um, we'll get into that, and then uh, we'll finish up with a, a few more miscellaneous stuff at the end. Uh, and we'll probably we'll, we probably will talk a little bit about um, about coronavirus, but not about the virus specifically. We'll probably talk about its impact on sports and when we're going to see a return to uh, to sports and a lot of other things. You know, both football, the, the uh, is the NBA season going to be salvaged, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but without for, further ado, guys, let's go ahead and get right into NFL free agency. And of course, the biggest bomb of this NFL free agency was TB12 going to the Buccaneers, going down to Tampa Bay, um, really kind of shocked everyone, uh, in, in my opinion, because everyone was thinking he'd either re-sign, uh, re-sign with the Patriots, even though there was a lot of that drama, and they were saying, oh, he's going to leave for sure, but it was just so hard to fathom him leaving. Um, and then there was talk, okay, he might go to the Colts, he might go to the Chargers, and then there was there's proof that he wanted to go to the 49ers, there's proof he wanted to go to the Tennessee um, but obviously Tennessee gave Ryan Tannehill long, uh, I think two to three year uh, contract with a, um, with a pretty high payment considering where uh, he, he's at in the league right now. Um, did not franchise tag. They ended up, uh, I think they're going to uh, end up franchi- uh, franchise tagging uh, Henry in my opinion, but I'm not sure if that deal's done yet. I haven't looked into that as much as I need to. But anyways, uh, 49ers basically kind of denied him from what, uh, from what I saw. Um, there was talk he might have wanted to go to the Colts. It seemed like he had interest in going to Tennessee, uh, but obviously he ended up in Tampa Bay. Um, so to get into that first, Lane, let me cut to you. I want to get uh, your first opinion on this. What do you think about uh, what, what, uh, first question? What do you think drove him to go to Tampa Bay over any other options he had, or maybe got denied to? And then, uh, what do you think his impact to the team is going to be? I mean, the reality was, at least this past year in New England, uh, he did not have the weapons around him that he used to have um, mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. Um, 
And so by going to Tampa Bay, he's going to get to play with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, which are two uh, pretty upper echelon receivers. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think that's definitely one reason why um, he is now playing in Tampa Bay. For me, uh, it kind of sucks because I'm a Saints fan, so I'll get to see him twice a year now, um, which isn't going to be fun. Uh, but as far as the impact he's going to make, um, I, I don't, I'm not going to give them Super Bowl aspirations yet. Um, but obviously he's a step up from, from Jameis Winston. So they'll, mm. they'll definitely make that division more of a, of a competition this year for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, and again, another one of the weapons he's going to have is Howard at tight end. He's a, uh, mm-hmm. very, very, uh, stretchy tight end. He runs good routes. Uh, he's pretty good run, run blocker, but. Very, very good receiving option. And then you'll also have Ronald Jones out of the backfield at running back. Uh, very good pass catcher there. So I think and, – and you talk about the offense they run there. Bruce Arians is a just air it out kind of guy. And oh, I yeah. think with a lot of oh, people yeah. throwing shade at Jameis Winston, a lot of that had to do with that offense because it is a pass-first offense. That's Bruce Arians. So, of course, Jameis Winston, you can talk about his eyesight and the other thing. I, I have a feeling where Jameis Winston isn't in the same situation as Cam Newton, but it's similar because I think Cam Newton has a lot more upside to him than, than Winston because of his frame. Not that Winston is small or anything, but Cam Newton's just a different. We'll get into Cam Newton later. But I think uh, Brady is going to function better in a pass-first offense than Winston will. Not that – I mean, as we saw with Winston – you know, he had the 30 touchdowns, 38 interceptions. You know, it was definitely like he could run and gun, but he could also keep the other team in the game just as much as, yeah. you know, uh, keeping his own team in the, in the game. Uh, so I think Brady, this might be the best situation for him because they're not run heavy. At the same time, he's going to have a lot more people taking shots at him. But, you know, I'm going to stop talking for a little bit. Bert, what are your thoughts on uh, Brady moving to the Buccaneers here? Um, I like to move Tampa Bay-wise. You know, it was obvious that Winston wasn't getting the job done, and it was obvious things needed to change. So, I mean, why not go out and get arguably the best quarterback ever? Um, Mm. I mean, in terms of logistics standpoints for Tampa Bay, it makes a lot of sense. Um, In terms of Tom Brady, um, his logistical sense, honestly, I think it would have been better for him to stay in New England. But, you know, obviously things didn't work out there. You know, he has his own reasons. Um, You know, I know you had mentioned earlier that, you know, the 49ers were looking at him. And honestly, it doesn't make a lot of sense for the 49ers to go after him. I mean, you have Jimmy G already back there. I mean, he's proven he can make it to a Super Bowl. I mean, he's one win away from a Super Bowl championship game. So, it it, logistics-wise, you know, Tampa Bay seems to fit the bill for him. So, Yeah, and you think about with Tampa Bay, you know, another thing that this kind of works out is, you know, it's a two-year contract, I believe, or is it one year? I forget. It's one or two years. I think it's two years. You know, it kind of fits exactly what they're trying to do now. They they got enough weapons. Uh, uh, wait, what what's going on, Bert? Nothing. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, the cutter right there, big boy. <laughs> what did I what did I do? Nah, just uh, whatever. Oh my bad. Uh, I just I, had Anna come in in the back and like I'm like get out. That <laughs> <laughs> was funny, bro. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna lose oh it God. if uh, if Keaton walks in the background. If you see a random metalhead and I don't notice it, that's why. Um, but anyways, I, I think it kind of works uh, not only uh, in how they run their offense, but you think about what 
uh, as an organization Tampa Bay's trying to do. You know, they have a lot of weapons uh, and a lot of contracts that they're going to have to either get rid of or re-up in the next couple of years. You think about it, you got Mike Evans, you got Chris Godwin, you got Ronald Jones, and you got Howard. I mean, four big it, offensive it, weapons, both, you know, all four of those are, you know, Ronald Jones, not as much as the other three, but they're all, they're, they have pretty good stats. They're going to want more money. You know, you think about the timetable of what they have to push for a Super Bowl before they start having to thin their roster out offensively. I think it kind of fits exactly with Brady's contract. It's let's bring him in, let's push for a deep playoff run, um, and then when that's done, they're probably going to clean house. I mean, what do you think, Bert? Yeah, it, what's funny is you sit here and you start talking about all these weapons, right? And it, there's just a common thing that they're on one side of the football. And I know, I know, I'm going to sound. a lot of money invested into one side of the football. And I mean, they're only on the field half the time. Hold on, so Amber, I, I'm going to need you to repeat what you said about 15 seconds ago. Cause for whatever reason uh, you cut out for a second. Okay. Just start um, over my bad. So in terms of Tampa Bay, um, you know, the one factor I continue to see and the players that you mentioned is they're on one side of the football. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about OJ Howard. You're talking about Chris Goodwin. Um, you're talking about, um, Mike Evans. They're all they're all offensive players. And I know I'm gonna sound like a dad when I say that defense I mean to win a championship you have to have a uh, defense. Mm. But I, I I mean those players that I just mentioned are only on the field half the time. You're gonna have to have a defense if you want to make a push. So I, I know there's still a lot of time before the season. Um mm. I I would see might be a good idea. I mean, if you're talking about like a one and done season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, go ahead and invest in a defense as well. I mean, well, again, this all comes back into Bruce Arian style. He's going to stack up his offense. He's going to throw the crap out of the ball. And either way, his defense is going to get gassed. So they're like, as a team, like Tampa Bay is never going to be a defensive powerhouse just because of the way they work things with their offense. Because if you're throwing the ball a lot, and uh, your pass-to-run ratio is coming out with a much heavier pass than run, which is just the case. You can even see this in the running backs, uh, the running back setup. You look at the running backs uh, with Ronald Jones, and then I forget who the second guy was, but they were getting equal carries. And a lot of times their production numbers couldn't even supplement to that of a starting running back, the two of them combined. So you talk about a, p- a pass heavy, that means you're coming in you know, and not taking that much time off the clock. Your defense isn't, isn't getting that much rest unless you have consecutive completions consecutive first down so and, and even if you get those you're still not taking that much time off the clock you're moving fast your defense is going to get gassed as we've seen with a lot of pass heavy offenses um so br- that's what bruce arians style is so will they ever statistically perform well as a defense i think not i think they can I mean, I, but they're just going to get gassed out eventually so i, think- I mean all i'm saying all i'm saying is i mean it, it, it it's not going to hurt having uh uh a superstar on that side of the ball. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I mean, at, at this point, it's just like, you know, oh, you know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll take a JJ Watt on defense every time. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Well, I, like, I think, uh, I think their plan is they made their move in free agency to get Brady because they knew they, they need, they wanted to clear out Jameis Winston, uh, get rid of his contract or release him, whatever they wanted just to do. Get rid of them. Yeah. And then they wanted to bring in Brady. They knew it was not going to be that that big of a sign. They knew it would be some cash. It was going to be uh, a decent contract. 
but it wasn't going to be bringing in someone at Dak Prescott's caliber where he wants a long term and take up a bunch of salary cap. So I think they wanted to make I mean, the move in free agency, leave them a little bit of cap space to I bring mean, in maybe a cornerback talk- or something like that. When you're talking about like Brady's going to come in and two solid good seasons, and then you're done, you know. Yeah. So what well, I, that's the I thing. mean, have, like, it's a small if, if you're going to go, if you're going to go all out for one season, might as well go in and you know go all, go go all out. Yeah. You know, well, I think what you're going to see is they're going to bring in Brady, and they're going to uh, they're going to either try to bring in another cornerback or just someone to help them slow slow things down on defense and and, and let them. Uh, focus on stopping the run because they know they're going to have a good pass coverage, and then I think Maybe. You're, I think you're going to see them draft defense heavy too, and probably bring another offensive lineman. Yeah, that, that, I like that move for them. Yeah, I, I think overall mm-hmm. it's a good move, but it just shows you like they have, they now have a two year window and stuff is going to start cl- uh, closing in, and you're going to see them drain all their salary cap over these next two years, uh, probably the next couple months. I, I would think, but you know, after the draft, they're going to make one or two more moves if they can. And then after this season, they're they're probably going to either sell out as much as they can for Brady's last year on the contract, or you know they're just going to say, okay, let's just give it one more shot. And then when Brady leaves, they're going to clean house because they're going to have to change up their whole offense uh, unless they just have someone else that can fill his role. But either way, they're going to have to pay a lot of these offensive weapons as well. Uh, Landon, I'll pan it over to you if you got any more closing thoughts on Brady. I mean, just thinking about last season, Brady hopefully shouldn't he's Tom Brady get even close to 30 interceptions you know oh yeah so just cutting that number down alone is going to make the Bucks a better team mm-hmm. I don't know how many wins that will produce but I mean they will be a better team scoring more efficiently um, and hopefully not throwing away as many games as they did last year with that number being cut down so For sure and with less interceptions you're hoping the defense gets a little bit more of a break too um Okay, well, let's go into uh, before we get into our ranting and depression. Let's talk about uh, another. Well, not a move yet, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll go into Cam Newton real quick because I think this is a big time uh, uh, person on the market. Uh, so, as of I believe what four or five days ago, the Panthers cut Cam Newton. Um, straight up, just released him, gave up on him, and then they, they brought in. Uh, What's it? Uh, Teddy Bridgewater and they brought in PJ. Teddy Bridgewater, yep. Yeah, they brought in Bridgewater and PJ Walker from the XFL. Uh, shout out Rednecks. I mean Roughnecks. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, I, my guess is they're just going to straight up put Bridgewater as a starter. I don't know if PJ's got a shot for the starting spot, but technically you could say there might be some competition there between the two. But I think Bridgewater's, you know, he he's he's been a starter before. They're definitely going to try to start him if they can, because they they definitely brought him in for more um, than they than they did PJ Walker. So there's there's a lot of talk about where Cam Newton could go. Um, the number one talk about uh, a destination for for him right now from a lot of the talking heads like Michael Lombardi um, and a lot of ESPN talking heads is the Chargers because they just got rid of, of Philip Rivers. That was another big move. Philip to the Colts. That was a big move. So for whatever reason, the the, the Colts management uh, management just does not. I, I, they either think that they're going to bring Philip Rivers as a straight backup, or they're going to start him and they're going to bench. Uh, oh, he just lost his name. Brissett. Uh, yeah, they're going to uh, be- bench yeah. uh, Brissett. Thank you, Landon. Um, 
So I, I haven't looked into what my guess is they're going to lean on starting Philip Rivers because why would you bring in someone like Rivers if you, if you're not going to start him? Um, other than just, just to be a backup, but I'm not sure at the moment. Either way, there's a there's an opening for the Chargers for Cam Newton to come in there. Uh, but there's also a lot, a lot of other uh, spots for him to go in as well. There was talk he might go to Chicago, but they already have their, their quarterback there. They, they not only have Trubisky, but if I remember correctly, they have Nick Foles now, right? Did they get Nick Foles? They do. Okay. They do. So that option's off the table. Uh, I'm trying to think of what other spots he could land in. Uh, I mean, Miami has been tanking for Tua, so that's not an option. Uh, I'm trying. I'm Cincinnati's trying. going for Burrow. That's true. Yep. Yep. So I know there's other spots for him, but off the top of my head, I'm just not sure. So, Landon, I'll go to you first on uh, what you think about Cam Newton. Dude, as far as like where he's going to end up, I mean, that's kind of a toss up right now for me, honestly. Um, but in terms of what he can do for the team that he goes to, uh, I know that he's had a few rough years with injuries and, and whatnot, but I mean, I, I still think you're going to get an above average quarterback. And if you put the right pieces around him, I mean, like that'll that'll win you games in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like I think Cam Newton is definitely a step up from a from a game managing quarterback because mm-hmm. I feel like he can still make make some plays with his feet. Uh, he has a massive arm, um, and that's going to get you places. So I mean, if he goes to the Chargers, I know they have weapons. They have a pretty pretty good defense, uh, and the Chargers are, are are just a pretty overall good team. So I mean, if he goes there. I, I think they can make some noise for sure. Mm. I do think that a good investment for the Chargers, if they bring him in, would be to get a good, uh, a better back, uh, second stream back out of the backfield. That's a great reception back uh, because Melvin Gordon isn't that great out of the backfield uh, receiving-wise. His numbers have never been that great uh, as a reception back. So bringing in someone like a Duke Johnson I think would be a great asset to have for, uh, for Cam Newton as kind of like a, okay, I'm about to get sacked or I'm going to have to run for my life. Let me, instead of like, trying to get chased around mm-hmm. and take a hit that I don't need to. Let me bail it out to my reception back um, and save myself from getting hit a little bit and let him go get in the open field and do what he can do. Um, and but, plus, I mean, he, he, he like just played with uh, McCaffrey at yeah. the Panthers. So mm-hmm. like he's, he's used to having that option. So that, that, that make him feel more comfortable probably. Yeah. McCaffrey underrated reception back uh, for sure. Um, I, I do think as far as the, the fit for the Chargers, you think about what the Chargers have. Other than Tyrod Taylor, they have nobody else back there. They bring in Cam Newton. Is there a competition between him and Tyrod Taylor, do you think? I mean, I think there is, but I think Cam wins it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they would have a competition because that's what you do. Like, I, I don't think they would come in and say, all right, bro, what you got? What you got? <laughs> I, I don't know about Cam Newton, y'all. Um, in terms of where he's going to end up, I mean, I – like y'all said earlier, it's kind of a toss-up. I mean, LAC. Um, I mean, it makes a lot of sense simply because they got they have a vacancy there. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I don't really think Cam Newton. I mean, he's he's still. I know he's had problems over the past couple of years with injuries, but mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't know about him. I, I he's had one good season um, back when. Uh, what was it, Super Bowl 50? Well, when he's, they he's lost had to Denver. several good seasons. He, and he, uh, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like he's a little washed out because I feel like, you know, ever since you had, like, he, he's just not producing like he did. Mm. It, and I, like I said, he, he's gone through injuries, and, you know, he might, you know, maybe a 
change of scenery for him. Um, moving on from um, Carolina, you know, maybe it'll put a little spark in what he's got. But I, frankly, I just don't see it. I, I kind of think he's a little washed up. Mm. Well, I'm gonna give you all my, my my take on this, and it's just from I have done a lot of research on Cam Newton's numbers. So what I, you know, what I'm gonna what, drop is, a, is for the most part facts based. I don't have his stats up right now, um, but from from what I've read up on. Yes, past two seasons, he's been plagued by injury for sure, and that's that's been bad. Um, but one thing to keep in mind with Cam Newton is I think these past two years he's really been suffering from, um, you know, not the years that he uh, – he, you know, he, he, I know he has a couple other seasons where he, he missed five, six games or something like that before these past years where he's missed a lot of time. Or if not, in last season he played four or five games and then was out because of that foot thing. And then they were so bad after he left that – they were like, hey, just don't even don't even finish the season. We're not making playoffs. We want you completely healthy. And honestly, that was the best thing that could have happened to Cam because now he's got a report that he's 100% healthy, no problems, whatever. Um, he's been posting videos and been working out. Funny, uh, funny thing to mention, he's, he, wor- he did a workout with Tyrod Taylor, so that could show influence toward him going to the Chargers if the two are already working together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But in regards to Cam's performance – um, one thing that is encouraging, uh, encouraging to me is his passing numbers because past two, if you want to look at the past two seasons in general, um, we've seen his passing numbers get a lot better as far as his percentages and whatnot. And especially two years ago, last year as well for the most part, but they were struggling as a team in those four to five games, so it was really hard to pick out his individual progress. But the year prior, um, he, was, he was playing at, at uh, an MVP caliber level. And he was his passing ability had shown a lot more progress than it did in his earlier days. So I think that's going to increase his longevity and his chance to come back and be a legitimate starter. Um, but you think about it, you know, I, I think it would be a good fit for the Chargers because they have weapons, they have a decent offensive line. The Carolina Panthers haven't had that; they just have not. That's why they've been getting killed. the The, the Panthers have been a a run blocking offense, but the, but they stack they love to stack up the box. And if the Chargers. If the Chargers don't get him, where would he go? See, that's a tough question. Um, see, that's that's what that's my point. Is is everywhere I pretty much see a quarterback taken. Everybody's made a move for a quarterback. Well, no, there, there's a lot of open spots, but there's teams that are well, trying where, to where? Where, Cole? Where? <laughs> where? Tell me. What do you mean? Where? Okay, look, we got where? <laughs> okay, well, there's, there's Miami, there's Cincinnati, there's the Chargers. Um, uh, all those, all those teams. Uh, Miami, I, I could see Miami, but like you said. They're out for Tua. Cincinnati's out for um, uh, Burrow. Uh, you know, uh, maybe Pittsburgh. Yeah, well, no, maybe. P- P- well, technically, Roth- Roethlisberger's coming back, but I, I he's don't, getting I don't up. Know. He's getting up there, and then um, yeah, I, I Mason Rudolph. I I wasn't just insanely impressed with him last year. I would be surprised if I, Rudolph's on a roster in a year, but maybe. I mean, maybe. Yeah, so that's why I think he gets brought into the Chargers yeah. on a very low contract, like a veteran's minimum, what you, for, for a one year. But if you if you I, look I at it know. from the Chargers' standpoint, here's where they're. This is another reason I think it's a good move for the Chargers. You know, you talk about their location, where they're at contract wise. They have nobody on a long term quarterback contract at all. Well, um, they literally just lost Philip Rivers. I know. So, <laughs> so makes, it's yeah. the perfect time to bring somebody in. If they're not 100% certain that Tyrod Taylor's going to be their, their guy, because think about it, he, if, if you're talking about a person that's been beat up and uh, you're not sure if he can take the starting role and you know, you're know you not sure about his passing ability, 
Tyrod Taylor is literally in the same thing. You know, his years at Buffalo, he got beat, beat the crap out of him. When he went to Cleveland, same thing. He got knocked out for a whole season because of a concussion. Oh, well, not a whole season, but he got knocked out. Then Baker came in and took his spot. But he did get knocked. He he did get knocked out for four to six weeks because of a concussion. Um, and I think he's kind of in the same state as Cam Newton because he's been a, he's been a backup for two years now. That's another thing. So why not bring in someone like Cam Newton? But the other thing is, um, for the Chargers, you talk about what the situation they're in. They're they're low on ticket sales. They're having to play. You know, they're having to literally share Los Angeles with the Rams, and you're having to fight for fans literally because you have two teams in Los Angeles, which is not a, a football heavy fan base to begin with since the Rams left in the 80s or 90s or whatever to St. Louis. So what what, what more would sell tickets than bringing in someone like Cam Newton so everyone can see okay. Is he coming back? Is Superman returning? I think that would help him sell some tickets. I, I think that would help rally their fan base because um, they, they got to do something. Because when they, you know, keep in mind how you know how little they have to pull from. Because when they left San Diego, keep in mind before, right before they left San Diego, you ha- you literally had the you know, their their best all time franchise player, Ladainian Tomlinson, you know, tr- rallying people at their old San Diego stadium, asking for funding to build a new one so that they wouldn't leave. No one from San Diego or that entire franchise wanted them to leave San Diego and go to L.A. So a lot of people are still PO that they they did um, they did. So what better way to kind of get dominance over the fan base than bring in someone like Cam Newton? Because wherever he goes, he's going to have a following. Because everyone's going to want to see what happens to Cam Newton. Is he going to be good? And I think another thing to keep in mind is Cam Newton is the kind of guy, and Tyrod Taylor could do this too. But I think with Cam Newton's six six frame, freaking looks like a defensive end out there. I think, uh, you know, Pat McAfee used to say when he would watch Cam Newton, um, you know, the, the playbook for Cam Newton was, you know, Cam Newton left, Cam Newton right, a designed run, and then repeat that for three more downs. And you think about what they're going to have to deal with with no OTAs, you know, considering we even play next season. We'll get into that later, but we're definitely we're not going to have any OTAs, no, you know, no spring training, possibly no preseason. I don't know what the heck's going to happen. Cam Newton is definitely a kind of quarterback you can bring in, and he doesn't have to rely on the system system to make plays happen, or at least an advanced system. So I think bringing him in would be a good move for the Chargers if you get the veteran minimum deal, which I don't think Cam is going to ask for anything more than a, the vet, you know maybe a little bit more than the veteran uh, minimum. One year, yeah, one year veteran minimum, um, and I think that's all Cam Newton's going to ask for because he just wants a spot. You know, he he wants to prove he just wants to, he wants a chance to prove himself and yeah. say. He, I think he's going to come hit. in and be twice as competitive as he as he's ever been, or or, or you know maybe at least as competitive as he as he's ever been. Um, let's see. Let me pan over to Landon. Landon, you got any other uh, big free agency moves you want to talk about? Anything that has sparked up uh, your side of the story before Dorona? Uh, no, I think I'm ready to get on to the to the big one here. Definitely. <sighs> All right. It's uh, Cole, Cole's background, yeah. Let me, let me get out of the way real quick so everyone understands. All right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, myself, Bert, I'm pretty sure everyone here, along with the entire city of Houston, is PO'd beyond belief because in case you've been living under a rock, um, Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins for a ham sandwich, and that's about it. <laughs> Um, so the official trade was the uh, uh, Houston Texans traded D Hop for I believe a second round pick, or we might even get, I think we gave up a second round pick and then got us another second round pick and a fourth no, round pick next we just year got, in return. We got second round pick, 
second round pick and David Johnson. Well, we, I think we got a fourth round pick too, right? <laughs> That's no, terrible. I, I literally think it was a second round pick for this year. And then maybe uh, a second round pick for next year. No, and it, it was a second round pick this year, and then a fourth round pick next year. Like I said, a ham sandwich. And yeah, I, I think so, the, I think the yeah. biggest problem with this yeah. was you know not you know is is doing it for David Johnson because you know you want to talk about it, 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 it seemed like you know we had Lamar Miller I think he, he is he on the end of his contract I th- I think he might be that might be why they brought so that was, in. that's what I thought that, that's when I first saw the trade go through I was like why are we doing this it mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make any sense from like I'm trying to win now standpoint I mean we have a running back. It's Lamar Miller. Why are we getting David Johnson first off? And we trade a lot from Lamar Miller too. Why are we trading, you know, arguably the best wide receiver in the game to do it? It it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I know, like, the whole, like, uh, social media platform or whatever, there was, like, a disconnect between – Hopkins and O'Brien, like, they sat down with a meeting and something, and, like, apparently, like, O'Brien compared um, Hopkins to, like, Aaron uh, Hernandez, which, I I don't know, it, there's, there had to be something in that meeting that went down that, like, is not getting out. Well, there was that meeting that happened earlier, and then there was also the fact that, you know, there, um, one of the biggest things about being uh, three years out from the end of your contract is two two main things. Um, one, teams when you're at, when you're at three years you're, uh, three years towards the end of your contract, they can cut you. They can straight up release you. It, uh, you know, uh, if they just feel like, hey, we don't want you anymore. We'll pay you your guaranteed. Everything else is off the table. Um, so they can straight up cut you at three years. That's what just happened to Devontae Freeman because the Falcons are trying to just clear house. Uh, and they just weren't liking the pro- uh, productivity they were getting from Devontae Freeman, so they cut him and they bring in Todd Gurley. Uh, that was another big move. We can get into that. Great later. move. I love that move. Yeah. Well, it just depends on what they're going to uh, – how, how much they're going to um, – how many carries they're going to give him. But we'll get into that later. Um, but anyways, so like Devontae Freeman, right, you know, th- this is the year right where we got into within three years of his long-term contract he signed two years ago, uh, I believe two years ago, with the Falcons when he was having that almost MVP season with them. Um, and they, they straight up just cut him. They were just like, all right, bye. But the other thing is when you uh, – it's a, it's, a, it's a give and take. When you're at the three-year uh, three mark towards the end of your contract, you can also, uh, a- you know, ask for an amendment to your contract, a.k.a. ask for more money. And that was what D-Hop was trying to do, and it seemed like he was really pushing for it because he had beef with O'Brien. I, he, keep in mind, before this said meeting of where he got compared to Aaron Hernandez, where O'Brien brought up all of his baby mama stuff, and that really ticked him off, he, was already, he already had a little bit of a beef with O'Brien because he got shopped last year in, uh, in the trade market as well. We, we can't forget about that. Um, so that already angered him. It seemed that O'Brien was already mad at him because there seemed to be a little bit of, of a power struggle in the in the locker room. That was that's been brought up in multiple articles I've read. So obviously, it seemed like you had the beef between the two, and then, you, and then you had the the amendment to the contract issue. He wanted more money. I guess his thing was like, if I'm going to stay here and deal with this dude, then I need more money. And O'Brien was not, see, not about that. I, this is what I said it, from a football X's and O's standpoint. Getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins made no sense for the Texans. No, it did not. It, it, no. It, 
And I mean, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to know that. <laughs> I mean, if you know a little bit about football, I mean, you know that. And, and, and this is and this is when I can get back onto your like wallpaper, Cole. Why? I mean, like, I get the fact that you don't have like you have beef with the guy and everything, but like that that's just I I don't like the like I just don't understand why. Like, I get I, it. If, from uh, a Lamar GM Miller, and a I, coach's go ahead. perspective, I don't get it. It, it just doesn't make sense. You, I mean, literally, you go out and you get um, Deshaun Watson, and you're like, yeah, Watson to um, Hopkins, 24-7, right? Why? You know, a, a funny thing to mention, you know, obviously Deshaun Watson, along with, like, many Texans players on Twitter, Instagram, have voiced that they do not agree uh, agree with this move, like, at all, but one uh, one thing to mention is now we got Deshaun Watson beef with O'Brien, uh, which has already been you know uh, already been assumed. But he, he did send a tweet uh, a tweet out from uh, quoting from, and of course you know you would wonder why we're talking about social media posts and this kind of stuff in there. But it unfort- I mean, oddly enough, a lot of this a, a lot of social, social media, media stuff yeah. is brought in into a discussion of this kind of stuff. You know, moments out. You know, I think a day or two after the the D Hop trade uh, happened, uh, uh, Deshaun Watson posted a, uh, a a a a lyric from Drake talking about uh, from the song "Emotional." It's talking about iconic duos uh, ripping and splitting at the seams. And then if you look at the next line, uh, it's something about uh, good people doing the wrong things or something like that. I forget what it was. I, I used to know it off you, the top of my head. Have you seen the first take interview with? Michael Irvin. Yeah, that was that, like, that was where the news about the baby mamas and the era Hernandez broke and all that stuff. That it, I guess if you if anybody hasn't seen that and is just wondering why and, and wants more information, it, go check it out. It's mm. enlightening. Lena, Lena, let bit. me cut to you on this. What do you uh, do? You have any extra input on how 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 and why this Hop leaving happened? And then two, what do you think the effects to the offense and the Texans as a whole is going to be as a part of this? So for me, living in Houston and like the Texans not being my number one team, when I first saw this deal, I literally laughed. Mm-hmm. I was like, are you serious? You laughed. Like, we really? Cried. Yeah. I was like. I'm half Cowboys fan. After that trade. The Cowboys are looking real good this year. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. For sure. But yeah, so what the first thing that popped into my head when I saw the trade was, are they trying to be like the Baltimore Ravens 2.0? Because you just gave away your best receiver. Like, are we just trying to run with Watson, Johnson, and Miller like the, like the entire game? That's the first thing that popped in my head. Will that happen? I don't know, but I don't know what the heck they're going to do now. I, I mean, like, okay. And then I was like, cool. So what did they get for him? Like, they had to get something good. Um, David Johnson, like, washed up. He'll give you carries. Fine. But you didn't get a first-round pick. Like, that's the thing that I was like, okay, if you got David Johnson in a first-round pick, I mean, it's still terrible, but, like, you have a future piece right there. There to replace. Yeah. yeah. With, with just a second-round pick, it's not – I mean, like, yes, yes, there's a chance that that's, you know, 
you can replace it, but it's just it's not likely. Mm-hmm. And then to make it even worse, uh, the Bills got Stephon Diggs, right? Yep, that was and the Bills was. traded the Vikings, and they gave them a first-round pick, a fifth-round pick, and a sixth-round pick, and a 2021 fourth-round pick. And they got Stephon Diggs. Well, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinions, Hopkins is way better than Stephon Diggs. He's, he's the best receiver in the league and right they, now since Antonio Brown has left. Yeah. yeah. Arguably. Yeah. Arguably. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, here's the other thing that I have a big problem with. You know, this has been a reoccurring theme. We think about all the stuff just in the last year that's happened as far as the, the deals we've gotten to bring in, bring in people and let go people. You think about, the, uh, you know, we've lost both Hopkins and Clowney. And in total, we have gotten – and none of these guys are even going to, other than Davis, uh, David Johnson, are even going to, you know, you're not going to recognize them. We got in Barcavius Mingo. I mean, I don't even know who that is. Jacob Martin, he was a linebacker. That's He's, he's going to go straight to practice, uh, practice squad, in my opinion. And I think he did. Um, we got David Johnson. This is for the, both of the two. Just talking about the, these were the two biggest moves we had of people we lost. Gary and Conley, something like that, via Seattle with a third-round pick. And then we got a second-round pick and we got a, uh, in 2019, and we got a, uh, a fourth-round pick in 2020. None, so for both of those guys, we were both worthy of a first-round pick. And that's first-round pick, yeah. No, we didn't get a first-round pick for any of those. And then we turned around right after the Clowney thing, and we lost two first-round picks to bring in, uh, goodness, what's his name? Tunsil. Yes, Larry Tunsil. Right. Yeah, Larry Tunsil. We lost two first-round picks for that. No, granted, Cole. Granted, Larry Tunsil is a, himself a first-round pick. He, um, he is, but not two. And and because of the fact true. that we handled the clowny situation so terribly, we were put in a bad position where we had to, we had to bite on that deal because there was no one else of his caliber on that market at the time and so close to the season. We had to bring in somebody so that Deshaun Watson didn't tear his ACL or worse again. Because of him, him getting beat the crap up, so when you, when you're so terrible in your timing on this market, you know th- this is the kind of crap that happens. These bad deals, you know. I, I bet you, I bet you, 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 this happens in like March or April in right in the regular free agency period because you knew there was going to be something going on w- uh, with Clowney. He was already showing signs that he wanted some other kind of deal with his contract. You know, wanted amendments or or a franchise tag or something. Uh, well, actually, I believe Clowney was already franchise tagged, but he, he, whatever it was, he wanted more. He wanted a, a, a better contract for himself. And then at one point, he was even gonna, you know, he was holding out. But at one, it's been reported that he was actually going to uh, to show up back to practice on a day, and called in saying he was going to. And the Texans told him not to show up because they were going to trade him. So, and and that, and that was like five or four days before the trade happened. So. You, they put themselves in an even worse position, and they knew they already knew they were going to trade him. So that was just terribly handled. You want to talk about the D Hop thing? The the biggest problem with David Johnson, David Johnson's history, he was the number one running back in football for two years in a row, and and not only best in rushing but reception. He's one of the all time best reception backs I've ever seen. Uh, there, there was game because I I know so because I had him on fantasy for two years. Um, there were there were games he might get only fifty or sixty rushing yards, which is not, you know, that's usually a bad game for him. He's getting fifty or sixty, but he'd turn around and have like three or four, three or four receptions for hundred and twenty. It's just like he, he, one way or another, he was going to get his yards. So he he was amazing to watch. 
Then he tore his ACL. Big blow. Uh, and I believe he did that in training camp or preseason. And then he turned around and broke, uh, broke his wrist. Um, so, and, and then these past two years has been, I believe he broke, I think he broke the wrist two years ago. And then last season they were expecting him. Because keep in mind, Arizona has been wanting to get rid of him because they signed him for that long-term contract. Um, basically, as mu- for, uh, it's the same amount as D-Hop's, close to. Um, and, and they weren't getting the production out of him because he got hurt after those two really, really great years. And then when he, came, when he finally came back last season, keep in mind, this dude got basically put in the, the second spot to Kenyon Drake, who they brought in from the Dolphins. So a dude that wasn't even a starter for the Dolphins was brought in and got the starting job from uh, David Johnson last year because when he, he came back, he was just not getting the production they were expecting. Um, so people were saying washed up. I'm thinking, you know, some people were saying maybe he'll come in and, you know, you limit his care, uh, his carries to like maybe 80% of what you would a usual starter bring back in Duke Johnson or Carlos Hyde, um, for some other situations to, uh, kind of help split, uh, split, split the carries up. And maybe he could be as explosive as he, as he once was. I'm thinking, is he washed? I don't know. I don't think he's completely he's washed. washed. He's washed. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I look at this whole situation and I just have to laugh at Bill O'Brien. I just, I, look. You're this, laughing? This I, I'm being, ready to throw hands, to be honest. This, look, I, I'm not I'm not going to throw hands with him because, I mean, look, if David Johnson ends up not being washed out and something were to happen amazing and somehow the Texans, you know, just all of a sudden just this beast of a team, I mean, at that point it's going to be like, okay, you know what, Bill? I don't know what I'm thinking. You're obviously just the guy. But Stephen A. Smith, I think, had a very good analogy for Bill O'Brien. And honestly, I'm just going to swear by it. It's it's, when you have a a GM and a coach, like Bill O'Brien, he has the power of Bill Belichick, but the record of... I can't remember who, but uh, some subpar coach. That I think that's your biggest issue here. Is maybe not more so that DeAndre Hopkins should have gone. Maybe it's more so the fact that Bill O'Brien should have gone. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, I, he has too much power. We, yeah, you th- you think about like. For his, um, yeah. you think about how this limits the offense. You know, I think it's definitely going to limit the productivity. Well, I won't say productivity because they're going to get, they're going to be getting more targets now, but it's going to limit the efficiency and how well they actually perform of Kenny Stills, um, Will Fuller, Will Fuller. Uh, our tight ends as well. Because think about how many double teams D Hop was uh, was drawing in order to free those two up. So now Will Fuller is actually going to have to catch something other than like a fade, which he even Will Fuller. With. Will Fuller has to become a real receiver now. Yeah, Will, Will Fuller can't just... And he be, can't get hurt every other play either. Yeah. Unless unless somehow the Texans pull some like amazing receiver out of their ta- out of their A-word, I mean... Well, okay, so uh, I'll go to Landon first and then you, but what do you think about bringing in Randall Cobb? Because that was... They did this about three days after that happened. No, four days after that happened. What do you think about bringing in Randall Cobb? I mean, it's nice, but like... I mean, dude... I, like, like the Texans, I feel like they've 
slowly but steadily been like rising like like slowly rising like we're they're like a piece away here a, a piece away there it's like they're they're almost going to get past what they've been trying to accomplish and that's obviously when a super bowl um so you would think they would try to keep their stars and mend those relationships by maybe changing the coaching staff doing stuff like that that's what you typically see when you have a core group of guys that you like like Watson and, and, and Hopkins and Clowney, like those are superstars. So you think you want to keep them around because Houston loves them and they love being in Houston. Um, but bad relationships, stuff like that, they're gone. And now you're left with, I don't know what they're just going to try to, I don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's unfortunate to see because I would like to see them succeed. But I mean, if you, I mean, they're run by Bill O'Brien, and with him, you're never going to succeed, at least at this rate. So, oh, I agree to that. I think, I think with the Randall Cobb move, I think we paid him a little bit too much, not terribly too much. It's not like bringing in Brock Osweiler for seventy-two freaking million. Um, but I, I think forgot we forgot about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. So this this is, this is to go back to you know, the general management situation. When I heard that we finally got rid of Rick Smith as our gen- like we we got rid of Rick Smith as our general manager, I was so happy, because think of all the great people that Rick Smith got uh, got rid of. We got rid of D'Amico, uh, he got rid of Robinson, he got rid of Mario Williams, and then uh, on top of that, he brought in Brock Osweiler, Brian Hoyer, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I didn't mind the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing because he was serviceable, but. We, I, I still think we paid him too much for what we, we were bringing him for. We were bringing him in as a fill-in between Matt Schaub leaving and we were trying to find our quarterback of the future. And we were paying Fitzpatrick too much to find our quarterback of the future. But there was just so many terrible moves GM-wise and so many terrible picks. Uh, keep in mind, Rick Smith almost passed up on freaking J.J. Watt. The only reason Rick Smith finally decided to draft J.J. Watt was because Wade Phillips, our defensive coordinator at the time, said he was going to straight-up resign if he did not like Wade, Wade Phillips, who was on, I believe just the first year of his contract and had a lot of guaranteed money and could just walk out literally said like, I'm, I'm leaving this organization. If you do not draft this guy, um, first wow. uh, in, in the first round. So keep in mind, keep in mind with that. That's how bad our GM used to be. And then now, you know, we have, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien taking over as a GM and obviously things have not necessarily improved by all, uh, you know, at all. The Laramie Tunsil move was okay, but we gave up way too much. So instead of like, you know, pay, not only are we paying people too much right now because I think we overpaid Randall Cobb, but we're also like giving up too much to bring in people in, in trade deals. So to, now, now that we'll get off of that, let's talk about Randall Cobb. I think specifically Randall Cobb offers really great route running. But I don't think he stretches the field like he used to. Because think about uh, think about back in his glory days uh, uh, with Aaron Rodgers back in uh, in Green Bay. You know he was a guy that you could stretch out to wide out because he was such a vertical threat with his speed. I think he's lost a certain percentage of his speed, not too much to where he's not you know he's not a, a clear starter. He is a clear starter, but he's a guy that you have to move to the slot because that allows him to have a a, a, a larger radius of where he can go direction wise. Because he's a fantastic route runner, similar to Amari Cooper, but a little bit shorter. And uh, I, at this at this day in his career, he relies more on his excellent route running and then having a lot of uh, spacing um, to be able to get himself open. And he's not a, a person like D-Hop who can both, you know, provide excellent route running to get himself open and stretch the field to get himself open. 
Uh, and he's certainly not a guy that I believe draws in double teams, or at least should be. If, if for whatever reason they're double teaming him, then the NFL is going to drug test him, one. And uh, two, uh, th- that team is on crack. Uh, they must have, like, I-, I don't know who, as a defensive coordinator I could compare it to, because I don't know who's been the worst defensive coordinator in the, in the last couple of years, but they must have maybe the Bengals' defensive coordinator. Um, so... I think he's a guy that can come in and be great in the slot. But Hopkins, the, the last time Hopkins played a slot receiver was when we first brought him in and we still had Andre at wide receiver and we still ran him as our wideout. Um, and that was when Hopkins was developing. He was, he was kind of our, uh, you know, our lightning to, to Andre Johnson's thunder. So when he, when he got bigger and he, be, he became better uh, as a reception and, and possession receiver, that's when we moved him to the wideout. And it took about a year or two for him to become a, a true possession-to-possession wideout that could be your guy that draws double teams because he, he was that good. And we've enjoyed him being that for the past two to three years, really four. Um, but now we, we don't have a clear uh, receiver that can be a possession receiver, which is what we need as a, as a clear dump-off or just first option for Deshaun Watson. Because without that possession receiver, Watson is going to get killed. I mean – you want to talk about the offensive line kind of shaping up over the course of last season, even though they were still absolutely terrible. The, the best protection Deshaun Watson had at quarterback was a wide-open Hopkins because he didn't even have to, you know, he could just know, okay, if I got single coverage, I just got to put that thing in there, and he's going to go up and get it. Or I have him on this look, he's, gonna, he's running this route. I don't even have to read. I just got to look and just put it where it needs to go. Um, he's not going to have that anymore. He's not going to have clear options because Kenny Steele's, uh, Stills, he can stretch the field, but he's not the vertical threat Hopkins is. Will Fuller is a very good vertical threat, but he doesn't have the hands of Hopkins. So anywhere you go, you have situation-based receivers. You have Randall Cobb, that's a great route runner now, but he doesn't stretch the field. You don't have your one can-do-it-all guy like a Michael Thomas or a Hopkins or a Diggs. So I, I think Watson is going to suffer unless they bring in someone else that can be a possession receiver. There's a few more left on the, on the market that could be brought in that aren't near as good as Hopkins but could do the job of being a possession receiver but I, I just don't see uh, this benefiting Watson because I, I know we're going to try to load up our offensive line in the draft, but that's not going to produce immediate results. So Watson is going to get killed again next season, uh, especially with uh, the, the running back situation in question because we don't have a person like Arian Foster that uh, back in his prime that can make up for having a terrible line. Um, so it, it, it's just it's, it's very concerning as far for me as, as Watson's health in the future. Um, that being, you know, as long as we haven't, you know, ticked him off enough for him to just completely leave. But he's he's not available. Even if he wanted to leave, we, you know, as long as we put our foot down, he can't leave uh, with his current contract situation. Well, uh, you know, to close up our NFL segment, you know, now that we're done with our ranting. Although, you know, I'm surprised at myself. I haven't yelled at all. I thought I was just going to, you know, distortion on the mic and everything. I've held myself. Good job, back. Cole. Good job. If we did this, if we did this podcast a week ago. Like I would just have to mute my mic for about five minutes and just let it all out. It's you know they'd see my mouth moving. You guys can just watch and commentate, but it would be so loud that like I would just have to mute the audio. It just wouldn't be good. So I'm glad you know I hate that we had to wait so long to talk about this, but I, now that I'm a little bit more calmer, it's paid off um, for the audio's sake. Um, but you know uh, I'll go to Landon first, and then I'll go to Uber. Uh, any other big you know big moves that you've seen you know. Uh, Around the league, you know, we got Darius Slay that moved around. Uh, Jimmy Graham signing with the the Bears. Any other moves like that that you think are going to have a pretty big impact? 
I mean, for me, the Saints getting Emmanuel Sanders is going to be real nice, honestly. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. He had a pretty that. decent year last year with the with the 49ers. Yeah. He'll he'll complement uh, Michael Thomas. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Taysom Hill will have a bigger role uh, because he's like officially our backup now, and Breeze is going to go pretty soon. So we're going to try to get him more reps at quarterback and stuff like that. So I'm excited as a Saints fan. Hopefully. We can make the Super Bowl this year, win or lose. Let's just make it, and we'll see what how it goes. But hey, I'm, in my I'm opinion, Kyle Rudolph pushed off. That's all I'm going to say. Kyle Rudolph pushed off, and it was it was blatant. <laughs> yeah, um, let's not talk about it. Yeah, well, briefly, do you think uh, Taysom Hill is the long term quarterback after the season and after Breeze is gone, or do you think they're going to go to someone else, or will they draft? I want to watch him. I want to watch him in preseason this year. Because he'll get a lot more snaps now that Bridgewater's gone. Um, and I would like them to see them draft someone just so he has some competition. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a beast. He trucks people. Uh, he can run. but And he can make throws. He has a decent arm, but like it's, it's, it's the reads that, that worries me. Can he, can he read the defense, make the right decision for a play, not specifically drawn up like this is going to work? Uh, that's what worries me, but um, that'll come with time too. So, we'll have to see about that one. Okay. All right, Bert. What are your th- uh, any other big moves that you, uh, you've been, you know, you want to bring into the factor here? Um, I know we mentioned uh, Todd Gurley earlier. Um, right about that. Yeah. I, I like that move for Atlanta. Um, just keep it relatively quick. You know, Todd Gurley played ball at UGA. Um, he's going back home. I, I, Honestly, I think he could come in and honestly be the next Devontae Freeman for that uh, uh, team. Mm. Uh, I, I, I like the move. Um, Buffalo has been making some moves. I like the uh, uh, Diggs move. Um, I believe they got somebody else, and I was trying to remember who. Um, I can't. I can't remember who. Um, oh, hey, the Browns brought in that left tackle that'll be good for them. They, they really needed that. Yeah. And they brought, in, they brought in Austin Hooper from Atlanta as well. Hold up. I, you got me looking for it now. Well, while you're doing that, to go into oh, the, the girl Josh, thing. Oh, go ahead. It was uh, Josh Norman. Josh Norman's going to Buffalo. Really? He got bounced um, around again? Yes, he's going to Buffalo. Um, mm. Honestly, you know, there's some arguments to be made that, um, you know, he might be a little washed up. Um, I think at this point he's a he's a cornerback that you put him in a, in a 10-yard drop and you kind of put him at a, in a Richard Sherman role. He's not a guy that's going to be a one-on-one kind well, of guy he's, anymore. He's, he's, a guy that's, he's a guy that's kind of been there and done that. He spent some time in the league. Um, oh, yeah, and he and was I mean, like the best cornerback at one time. It's always good to bring in a veteran player kind of knows what's going on well norman so. is a similar role to to sherman at this point with the 49ers he's a guy that you're not going to put one-on-one you can and you can when you're in goal line and when you have well, a, really, just, a big time target you can but he for 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 every series in his normal play he's the kind of guy that you're going you're going to want to back off to a seven or ten yard and play zone with because he's so excellent at reading the offense and getting into the crossing routes. there's a there's a consistency with his play mm. um you know he's you know he he's kind of uh, as I said before he's been there he's done that you know mm. well and he's just not a guy that you can 
ha have play press coverage every single play anymore. You want him in that seven to ten yard and playing zone because he can read he can read routes really well and get into 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 crossing routes and cause disruption like Sherman does. But just like Sherman, if you run him every play as press coverage and ha and your island guy, it's just not going to work in a long term scenario. Yep. Yeah, he may not get burned every play, but. Towards the, the the end of the game, he will not be he he will get burned. Going to show his age, show yeah. his age a little bit. Uh, but with the Gurley situation, I think the Ram, are the Rams making a mistake. I don't think it's a full mistake, but I do think last year, towards the end of the season, in the last six games, Gurley was playing like he usually did. Had a great production for the most part, not what he had last season or the, or the season before by any means. But it was it was good for for him. You know, it was up to his per, you know for say standard. Um, but in the first uh, the first half of the season, uh, I, I believe uh, uh, McVeigh was just so worried about you know the long term and getting in that playoff run and that uh, the arthritis in his knee that that had ever, like the media just blew up over the off season, and they had the right to blow it up because obviously he he did not play well in the Super Bowl and he hardly played in the Super Bowl, hardly uh, uh, hardly played in the AFC Championship game. He 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 got his carries, but not near the amount of carries he usually got. Um, and they were so scared that they were they were really limiting his carries. And you think about a person like uh, like Gurley, and you think about the overall offense of the Rams in the year prior to last season, they were so dependent on the the dominance of Gurley and the the rhythm running of uh, of Gurley and the the use of the wide zone to set him up. Uh, and set up the play action, that when they had to limit Gurley's production, the play action wasn't there because, you know, they weren't as run-heavy as they used to, and they didn't have a down-to-down a, a -down dominant back like they did with Gurley. They, they had some good backups, but the other team knew they were going li to limit Gurley, so they weren't going to stack the box every play, and they knew that Gurley wasn't going to be what he was last season as far as his first step. Um, so... The play, the, the passing game suffered because of that. They still had Brandon Cooks to throw to. The, the Cooper Cup came back. That was a big thing. But now it seems like they're really trying to clear a little bit of house because they know they have that big contract with uh, with Goff, and they know that they're they're not going to get long term, or at least they think they're not going to get long term uh, from Gurley what they want to get. Um, but I still think Gurley can be a top five running back. It just he's got to be in the right system. I think he I think Atlanta, where you have uh, have you know really good weapons like Julio Jones. You know Julio Jones I think is a is definitely a step up from Brandon Cook still, um, and I think he's going to take some uh, some carries off of Gurley, and you won't have to do that because you have that number one uh, receiver to throw to that it's a possession dominant receiver, so you will be able to keep Gurley on the field and have that threat without running him to the ground and having to keep those carries so high having Gurley having Gurley back there gives Matt Ryan a couple more options than just Julio Jones oh absolutely and then mm -hmm. Gurley's also a great Good. reception back too so anyways I hate I hate that I wasted another five six minutes on that but I just figured that was pretty important to cover because Gurley's in, in a kind of a Cam Newton spot everyone thinks because of that arthritis in his knee that he's washed up now and I, I think he's definitely got another two yeah, three, he, good, he good, still good. has I think he still has some some spark left in there. Oh, for, well, you think about the, the injury that's caused arthritis. It happened before he even got drafted. It happened when he, he got hurt um, playing with Georgia and when he tore his ACL. The arthritis is just from that. It's just a little bit worse than what we've seen in other people that have t uh, torn their ACLs before they've gone to the NFL. It's very usual to see. But because of the fact that the dude was averaging, I don't even know how many carries. I know it was plus 30. Um, it, it, 
he, he was averaging more carries per game than any other back in the season prior to last, and that really took a toll on his, on that knee. Um, and keep in mind, we weren't even consider, like we, we thought as you know as soon as he had that first good year, oh his knee's not a problem anymore. He's fine. He's fully healed from that. You know the the arthritis in a torn ACL is a very common thing, and we've seen it before. But it, usually it's not it's not going to bother someone unless they have an abnormal amount of carries in a running back position, and that's what we saw. So I think now that he's gonna he's had that last season where he didn't get pushed as much, and now he's got a full off season to really just invest in his body. I think we're going to get more out of him than what we've seen. Will we get the, the Todd Gurley we saw two years ago? I don't know. We'll probably get 85 to 80%, but, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see. So we'll briefly we'll, – we'll wrap up with um, – I guess we can transition us to NBA real quick, just a little bit. Um, Landon, I'll, I'll pan to you for a little bit because I, I haven't gotten to discuss the – the Rockets move uh, for, for Robert Covington too much with you. You've talked uh, talked about it a little bit, uh, but I just wanted to get your opinion on it. So, you know, for those of y'all who have lived under the rock, it's the same kind of deal with Hopkins. We gave up Clint Capella uh, in a three-team trade. The, I think it was the largest uh, three – or was it a four-team? I, I forget what. It was a three- or four-team trade. I know it was us, the Wolves, and the, the Warriors that were involved in the deal. Long story short, we gave up uh, Capella to get Robert Covington to put him on the wing. Um, and we, basically we were all waiting for them to bring in someone like, you know, Andre Drummond or possibly Tristan Thompson in a buyout situation, which didn't happen. So Tristan Thompson will be available again, uh, this summer, uh, or actually probably later than that, since the, the season's getting delayed, cause he'll be on a contract through the rest of the completion of this season. So it'll be a while before we, we can, we could make a move on him. Cause that was one of their topics. It's been confirmed that we tried to get him, but it didn't work. Um, because we didn't get him in the buyout period, um, but they didn't, and they went to small ball. They went uh, ten and two in their first couple of games, and kind of went on a losing streak of about three or four games, I believe. Then came back and beat the Timberwolves, ended the, the losing streak, um, and now we're here because that Rona came, and you know they haven't played in like freaking two weeks, so uh, or eighteen days, I believe is the actual number. But so let, you know, considering the games we've got to see this small ball thing play. And the performance we've got out of Covington, which I believe for the most part has been good. I mean, he's been averaging uh, 2.5 blocks per game. Uh, You know, he's he's definitely a good 3 and D guy, and he offers some stuff in the post. Um, Let me just get your input on what do you you think about the Robert Covington – just what do you think about Covington in general and his performance and bringing him in? And then secondly, what are are your thoughts on the small ball we've seen thus far? So Covington came in, and I mean, I think he's doing just fine. Like you said, 3 and D guy, and that's what they need. Uh, really, mainly his defense is what we're going to see them benefit from. Um, I think he, he he may guard some of the bigger guys when we play teams like the Lakers that have AD and LeBron, stuff like that. Um, but his, his three-point shot is suitable for our system. As far as the small ball goes, it's just we are – relying on the three-pointer as much as you can in the game of basketball and as we've seen it can be inconsistent at times and when you don't have someone like Capella in there um, to grab rebounds or throw the ball into to have good spacing uh, and then you miss 23s in a row you're screwed Uh, when the threes are going in you may beat someone by 30 but uh, I mean the 
the three-point shot, I would not feel comfortable as a coach or a GM relying on it as much as they are. Uh, they're currently the sixth seed right now in the West. Uh, of course, the West is kind of close in terms of the standings. If they if they won a game, they'd be in fourth place. Well, keep um, in mind, they went on that four-game losing three. streak that, that took them from yeah. the fourth seed to the sixth seed. Mm-hmm. Because they, they yeah. went on that four-five so, I mean, four, game lose streak, uh, lose streak when the Mavs and uh, – the Jazz were going on a win streak, so that's why they mm-hmm. drop. And also the reality is playoff basketball is so much different than the regular season. So, I mean, how how it would translate there, we are going to have to see because no one's ever had this small of a lineup before ever. Mm-hmm. So I'd be anxious to see um, if when, they, when and if they continue this season – how we do uh, in the playoffs, but who knows if they'll even finish out the season. So, Well, defensively, what I've seen them, it seems what they're trying to do is, uh, obviously, they're putting P.J. at the five, and they're having him stack up against you know, A.D. and you know most of the, of the, uh, the centers. And I think that's mainly just because P.J. has excellent leg strength, and he can get up under everybody and try to you know, box him out as much as he can. And when he, and when he gets it one-on-one yeah. in the post... Um, he can at least try to prevent them from driving and make them, you know, do some kind of a hook shot or something like that. But what I've seen them do with Covington, and this is kind of, I've liked it. Will it work long term? I'm not sure. But with Covington, they like to they like to send him at either um, the the top of the key or near the free throw line, so that when he sees someone driving or uh, so they're trying to one on one someone with PJ, he's got that really long wingspan. He's and he's able to roll back side. And I've seen him block AD from behind. It just seems that. They love giving backside help to PJ mm-hmm. by, by using Covington and having him ro- uh, rotate off. Um, and I, I think it's worked well. Another thing that, that we saw in their first game of small ball against the Lakers, um, yep. what they've done is, is if teams make the mistake of just trying to completely capitalize on the mismatch with uh, their seven-foot center and uh, uh, against PJ, uh for the majority of the time, it hasn't worked. Because, as we saw with AD, his productivity was limited against PJ because they were they were stopping the rest of their offense to try to exploit the mismatch, and the Rockets were ready for it. So, because of the fact they were just kicking it to AD in the uh, in the post, the the entire rest of their offense stopped moving. So they really didn't have very many other open shots except for to wait it out and see if AD could do something in the post. And then we've also seen the Rockets eliminate completely eliminate other seven-footers from the game because of how much they could stretch the, the floor. Um, as we've seen with uh, Rudy Gobert, uh, there's been games where he's played very well, but in two of the uh, the, uh, the three, I think there was three matches with the Jazz over this, this period, but I know for sure there was two. And at least one of them, uh, Rudy Gobert just was completely eliminated offensively from the game. He was still able to block some shots, but as we've seen, Russell Westbrook has been able to completely drive through seven-footers with no problem. And that's just a, a testament to him. Um, but, you know, other players, especially off the bench, like for the Celtics, you know, who, who we've beaten twice in this period, Ennis Cantor, a seven-footer, completely eliminated from the whole game. They pulled him out. Like, they only gave him ten minutes because he was, he was getting exposed so bad defensively. Because a lot of these seven-footers, the whole strategy is, okay, let's draw, the, uh, draw their five out to the perimeter because he has to respect P.J.'s corner three. And then as soon as he takes a step outside the paint, Russ is on the move. And if, and if you collapse to him, it's the kick out to the corner or the wing or something, and there's going to be an open three-point shooter, and that's the strategy. 
And in some cases, it's worked brilliantly. I mean, we had the 10-2 and two run in the first 12 games, and we beat a lot of big teams. We beat, uh, we've beaten the Celtics. They have multiple seven-footers. We beat the Lakers. They have three seven-footers, although Dwight Howard's like 6'11 half. It's Dwight Howard. He's basically a seven-footer. He rebounds more, mm-hmm. more than any other seven-footer in the league still, uh, except Andre Drummond. But he's not seven-foot. Anyways, um, you know, we've seen them match up very well. Well, not match up very well, but they just perform well against these really, really big teams. But we've also seen them uh, completely just lose games they shouldn't. Heck, they, they lost to my Charlotte Hornets, dude. And then they, before that, they lost to the Knicks. And then uh, right after that, they lost to the Magic, who I believe they were still a below 500 team at the time. But they're a team that's going to – they're going to nab an eight or seven seed in the East. It, they're, they're almost a lot for that. Um and then they were finally able to turn around and beat the, the Timberwolves and end the streak right before Datarona hit. Um, so it's like, I think overall, Landon, you might agree with me on this. I think it gives them a, you know, we've seen the past couple of years, the, the Rockets are not a team like the Knicks and, and the Pelicans and a lot of these other teams where they lose a, you know, a star player. Like when we lost T-Mac, you know, we brought in James Harden. Uh, we were mediocre for we were mediocre for about maybe two to three years, you know, after the T Mac and Yao combo went. But once we brought in mm-hmm. Daryl Morey and we got in James Harden, every year if we lose someone, we're making moves to give ourselves the best chance. We we haven't got we haven't put ourselves in the luxury tax, I, I don't believe. But we've made you know it's every year we haven't been like waiting for a big draft or a lottery pick or anything. It's every year is making moves to put ourselves in the best shot to win a championship. You know. When it didn't work out last year, uh, last year we brought in, uh, you know, we brought in Russ. Now we knew we knew Capella was going to be out for possibly until playoffs with this injury. He still hasn't played for the Atlanta, for the Hawks yet. There's and it wasn't confirmed that he would be returning anytime soon yet. So and then along with that, the fact that it seemed like the Rockets weren't happy with how he was spacing and spreading the floor with Russ, um, they were like, okay, let, let, let's just pull the trigger and try this thing out. Um, and keep in mind, I think another thing that came into the fact of Capella leaving was his, his lack of performance in the playoffs the past two years. It, it seemed like, especially in the Warriors matchup, uh, he would match up okay against the Jazz, uh, which we, we saw in the past two years. But it's like whenever we had faced the Warriors, and we saw this in, in our matchup on Christmas Day, people like Draymond and Green, for whatever reason, would just bully Capella, dude. I mean, on the rebounds and then offensively, defensively. It just seems like sometimes Capella would go cold uh, in, in the worst way, like from a rebound perspective. I mean, last uh, in the playoff series uh, that we lost to the Warriors last year, Capella was just getting completely out-rebounded by, the, by both Looney, uh, Green, and then that random white guy who was just a uh, – he's kind of like a – he was kind of like a Hardenstein kind of guy. Like he, he was playing – he would play center, but he was really, really a light build. Um, he was a seven-footer, and he could shoot threes well. I don't even know. I forget who. I think it was like Jarenko or something. I don't know. It was a weird white guy. Um, Capella at times has been bullied in the playoffs and not delivered like we wanted him to. So I think that was uh, put uh, put into play. Um, But I I do. We have definitely seen the a a, a, a higher ceiling for the Rockets, especially a higher ceiling for Westbrook. I mean, what are your thoughts on uh, Westbrook's play? I mean, with with Capella gone for, for Harden and Westbrook, it just creates so much more space, I mean, as a whole. 
Um, so whether Harden and Westbrook on the court or if it's just Westbrook, I mean, the, the lane's wide open. So if he wants to stop and pull that mid-range jumper he likes, he has that. If he wants to drive and dish, he has that. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely obviously a, a guard-centric spacing offense that they have now with getting Capella gone. And, I mean, you have a, two of the most ball-centric isolation guards in the league to do that. So I think the system fits well for what they're doing by stripping Capella away. Mm. Well, I think another thing to realize is, and this is the one thing that I had to like kind of give myself some insurance when I first saw this trade, um, was when Capella was hurt and when Capella was off the floor and the, the Rockets had used a small ball lineup before. They did it late in the playoffs last season as kind of a desperation move in the last two games because they, they knew there was a problem in the matchup between Capella and, and Green and Capella was, you know, the, the, the Warriors were really spraying the floor well and Capella was getting exposed. So they, they moved, that's when they started moving PJ to the five and experimenting there. And they started doing a lot this season, especially when Capella uh, was getting injured. And, uh, so, you know, I remember I seeing uh, online and on Twitter, someone took the stats of, uh, of the Rockets' offense when Capella was off ball. And I, they, I believe they came out plus three in all categories with them off. I used to have the actual – I had it saved in my photos. I, I, I couldn't find it just now. Um, but the Rockets mm-hmm. seem to be performing better offensively with him off, the, uh, off of the ball. Um, I wish I had the more specifics on that. But that was one thing to look forward to in that. And I think it was just, like you said, it was the spacing that was the biggest thing. And Mike D'Antoni was already talking about tr- finding ways to get more space for Harden and Westbrook because they need it. I mean, it's, it's the kind of offensive weapons they are. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what, what else we can, uh, we can analyze from that. I mean, we, you know, this happened right, you know, the, we saw Covington come in right after the, the all-star break. And then, you know, we, that, that's when this whole thing start, uh, started. We didn't have much, uh, much time to work with, uh, work with analyzing this. We, you know, we've had a good amount of games, but we definitely have no idea how they're going to do in the playoffs because the biggest thing is in the playoffs, all, everyone's talking about how in the playoffs it slows down. The game slows down. Teams are able to game plan uh, for, you know, the entire mm, series. More physical. Yeah. You know, I think the Rockets are benefiting from coming in and teams not exactly knowing what to do yet because, you know, they, they're – they're more concerned on winning consecutive games and, and trying to get the best playoff seed possible instead of, you know, yeah. worrying just about the Rockets because they can't. They have, you know, literally a game sometimes the next day or two days later. Um, so how the Rockets would adjust to the game slowing down and, and teams game planning for them, I'm not, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. But depending yeah. on when Corona, you know, finally lets up, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully eventually find out. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I guess we can briefly talk uh, about to, to wrap up. Um, what, do we see um, a timetable yet for when we're going to get uh, sports back and my life will be restored? I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> do, what do we think the timetable for uh, for sports coming back is? Bert, I'll start with you. Um. That is an interesting question. Because we have people like Kirk um, Street already saying that probably college football won't won't start on time next season. I, you know, it. I hate to bring politics into sports because typically those two worlds don't mix. Yeah. But um, just it, until case numbers start going down, 
at and when they do that at a consistent rate, you're not going to see sports. And that's, I mean, I mean, you saw it. I mean, what was it? Two, three weeks ago is when everybody started canceling things. I mean, NBA, MLB. I mean, their opening season was supposed to be, I believe, like a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, March Madness. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, Even now, it's not canceled, dude. Until you start seeing significant proof that case numbers are going down, um, I mean you're not you're not going to see any sports because I mean New York and New Orleans and Washington and California they're getting hit very hard right now. I know I mean all of us are from Houston, um, and I mean that's a fairly metropolitan area, and we're not necessarily getting hit super hard yet. Yeah, we, but, we got a considerable um, amount of cases, but um, it, it, for how big it. we are, we're not we're not in New York situation by any means. It, it, I mean, it, the situation is going to probably need to be essentially resolved before sports can start back up again. Because I mean, yeah. you, you have to think. I mean, it, it a college football game. I mean, in Death Valley. I mean, as you can see land and background. I mean, it's mm. yeah. hundreds of thousands of people, and right now we much less can't have more than 10. Well, do you think there's the, the option of, um, you know, doing doing games without audiences? Absolutely not. Mm. You really think, Absolutely you not. think they wouldn't go with that? I know the NBA, that, that it, was their original certain, plan, was after the, the week that you and I uh, went to the, the Timberwolves game, the next week, the they were meeting on, the, so the night that uh, Gobert tested positive for uh, the coronavirus. That was the night they were supposed to, or the next the next night was. The they were they supposed were gonna, to switch over to the the no audiences. Yeah, and well, they were going to have the it, meeting to make that official because the Warriors already it, declared that they weren't going to have audiences point, anymore. At, at this point, it, I think it's the or the whole thing or nothing. Mm. It, it it's just too widespread. Um, like I said before, it's it. I mean, when you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of people's gra- people gathered in the same arena or same stadium, I mean, it, it, it's better to look be safe than sorry at this point. Um, and with that being said, I mean, there's probably a good chance that, you know, college, I mean, the SEC's already announced, you know, no more sports for the rest of the, the uh, year, essentially. I mean, you, you can pretty much get college basketball, college baseball, um, arguably maybe even the NBA season, um, you can pretty much kiss a lot of that stuff you buy. And I mean, it, it, one thing, I mean, is, is, I mean, I love sports and I can sit and watch them all day, but at the end of the day, this is much bigger than sports and that's what people need to realize. Is, oh, yeah. it, and it, I think at this in point, the large, a lot of people realize that too. In the large span of things, for a lot of people, this is life versus death, and the last thing we need to be concerned about is are the Rockets, you know, going to be <laughs> yeah. the Timberwolves? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, the the unfortunate reality for like sports fans, like in terms of fans going to games, is that like even once the numbers start going down and this is all resolved. I still feel like people are going to be hesitant about big crowds and stuff like that because what if it pops back up and stuff like that? So that's when it becomes like 
we'll see. You will see the sports return to what they were. Um, however, I don't think it's going to be a light switch. I think it's going to no, be no, more no. of a gradual yeah. process. I think it's. I think yeah. it starts back with our audiences first, and then once they. They uh, they track how well the players' health is doing and how if they get an increase in cases when the players start traveling by air again because they still have to travel by air that's another big risk you know until uh, they they, I, they get good results back from that they're not they're certainly not going to let audiences in if the players are still at risk just from flying and they get another Rudy well, Gobert situ, uh, situation in terms in terms of I mean things coming back it's every single day the case number goes up the likelihood of sports starting up goes down. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think once they get a you know a a treatment option for any person that gets it, and it's like okay, it's like you know with flu with the flu, like it's like you take the Tama flu, or you know you know your symptoms, you you know your distance, you have to separate yourself from people. It's like once there is a for every case you get, like here's how how we manage it, and here's how we regulate the spread, uh, and we we know how to regulate the spread. You know, you, there's talk about antiviral medicine. There, there's all kinds of stuff. You know, obviously the vaccine is in the works and it's coming to record time, yada, yada, yada. You know, until there's a set in stone, like, for sure way to deal with it, it's it's not going to be likely for it to come back. At, Landon, I'll pan it over to you. At this point. Bert, go. You got it. Bert, go. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I, at this point, it's it, it out of the sports world's hands. Um, yeah. It's more in the hands of, government officials and medical experts. Um, there's not really a whole lot a bunch of football players, basketball players can do right now, except social distance and stay in your house. Yeah. That's, that's all you can do. Yeah. So, uh, Landon, I knew you were you were trying to say something earlier, so you got any closing thoughts? No, that's it. My my whole point was even when this gets better, it'll, it'll be gradual and slow with big crowds because of just how this is completely like shook in the world and there's probably going to be a movie about this when we're like 50 so Um, yeah probably uh well i know this is uh some more recent news more of the sports y'all hear the olympics have gotten pushed back a year yeah yep pushed back a year well my question for that is if they push it back a year so what are they going to do like if they push it back a year are they going to do the next one in 2024 uh, and, I would and think they would it, make it. Or would they I think they would make it three years. I think they would make it a three-year wait. And yeah. it, they would treat it probably honestly. They probably should just call it the 2020 Olympics to keep it a lot simpler. To say, hey, you know, it's turning a year late. Our bad. Yeah, that's well, fair. Yeah. <laughs> see, I was just wondering, it's like, okay, do you give like you know the athletes another four years to repair, or do you say, you know what, let's just keep it on schedule and make it keep three? It on schedule. Yeah, 20, yeah, 2024. 2024 in Paris. I yeah. Well, and you think about yeah, I mean, it, it's like they don't need the another four full that years to prepare. Still qualified. Yeah, that's true. So. That's true. All right. Well, uh, unless anyone's got anything else, I think we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Any closing thoughts? Everybody, stay safe and stay home. All right. Well, thank six you. feet, man. Social distance, bro. Give him that Heisman stiffy real quick. You feel me? <laughs> no. <Nuh-uh. laughs> Hey, 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 social distance like anybody would guard Ben Simmons from the three-point line. Not to slam your homeboy, Landon, but LeBron guarding Ben Simmons from the three-point line is about where we need to be. It's okay. We used him as a post player, so we don't deserve his his claim to our school. Yeah. (laughs) 
All right. I've enjoyed having you, having you guys on. Uh, for those of y'all listening slash watching, thank you for sitting through this. Uh, and uh, I hope we didn't ramble on too much. I know we rambled a little bit. Mainly I rambled, as I always do. Uh, but I hope you all enjoyed it. So thank you, thank you guys for coming on. I hope uh, you all listening and watching enjoyed it. See you all later. Fire Bill. Fire Bill. <laughs> <laughs>